You're listening to Little Gems of Wisdom with Katrina and Alana. I'm Katrina Kavanagh and I'm a therapist with 25 years experience practicing, which means for me that I'm all about how the brain and the body work together. I'm also intuitive. I've been intuitive all my life and that has made things just a little bit more interesting. And I'm Alana Lee McIntyre. I'm a TV and radio journalist here in Australia. I'm used to asking the questions, not just the usual ones, but the big questions like why we're here, why we do the things we do and how we can live a happier, inspired life. So let's have a look at today's little gem of wisdom. So before we start today's podcast, we would like to send our love to the people of Christchurch, to the victims, to their loved ones, and to all the people of New Zealand and to anyone who feels affected by this tragedy. This podcast is a little different to our others, but we thought it was necessary to honour the pain millions of souls are feeling in the aftermath. We created this episode for those impacted from afar. For those who are trying to make sense of this evil attack on our neighbours, and for those experiencing confusion, and even for those who aren't experiencing anything at all. Perhaps it hasn't impacted you directly, so you feel like it's silly to cry. Maybe you have cried, maybe you just feel tired or confused, and maybe you're one of those people who says we have to get on and live our lives because we can't live in fear. Perhaps you don't want to feel anything at all about it. Maybe you don't want to hear about it or talk about it, or you didn't watch the news because it was too distressing. And that's fair enough. But the truth is, is that it does impact all of us because we are all connected. Whether we choose to believe that or how we choose to interpret that is irrelevant because it is true. We are deeply connected to every other being on this planet. And we are in a new era, a new age, if you like, of discovering exactly that. We are connected, not just through technology, but through a greater intelligence that lies within us. It's in our instinct, our DNA. The events in New Zealand are affecting all of us, consciously or subconsciously, and will do for weeks to come. So we need to pay attention to our hearts now. We have been in this era for some time, but in this part of the world, we have felt distant from it. But now the horror that is so terribly more common overseas has hit our neighbour in a vicious and wicked way. And now many of us are realising the world we live in is somehow different than what we knew and we have to navigate a new way forward because we know this isn't the end. It's not the last evil act we're going to see. But we also know subconsciously that it's just the start, not just of an age where this kind of attack is more commonplace at the start of a time which for many of us deep down we've been waiting for the time to choose love and peace in a way we never have before all right well we're we've got our nice hot coffees next to us and our blankets and we're all cuddled up not yes. together but you're in your blanket yes i'm, I'm in, in mine my... yes over here with the warmest most comfortable blanket and um, I think, Alana, you have a really nice heat pack as well. Yes, I do. Yes, you do. On my tummy. Yes, nice and warm. And I've got a lovely hot cup of coffee that I'll be sipping away as we're talking. Trying not to slope, of course, as it gets in the way of the sound. But but very cosy, very cosy. And that's important to be cosy when we're talking about mm-hmm. the topic that we're talking about today. That's right. We want people to feel nice and nurtured and nestled while we talk about these shocking events that unfolded in New Zealand. Mm. It was it was 
sickening. Yes. Well, I didn't know anything about it. I was at I was at work in my practice seeing my clients, and I had a client walk in. I had a couple therapy, and, and the fellow walked in, and he said, "I've just watched the most awful footage. There's been a he said, his words were a terrorist shooting in New Zealand." And I was like, "What?" Mm. Um, I think we're not using the word terror. I'm not quite sure no, what we're doing. No, it is with... a terrorist attack. Right. Okay. So at this stage. Yeah. And I'm someone who normally doesn't like watching the news, so I'm very much away from it, whereas yeah. you're the one who is actually reading the news, Alana. Yeah, so I was actually starting my news reading shift as the news was breaking. Yes. And so we heard reports that a gunman had opened fire in Christchurch. We had no idea of the magnitude of the event. We had no idea what it meant. All we knew was that shots had been fired. Okay. So this was about 10 minutes before I had to go to air and read the news. So I remember hearing this, gathering as much information as I could, mm-hmm. and they were just the basics, but intuitively knowing that this was this felt like this was big. Mm. And I remember going into the news booth, turning on the microphone and saying, a gunman has opened fire in Christchurch. It's unclear how many people are dead. And my voice trembling. Yeah, and I can appreciate. I can appreciate knowing you personally. I can appreciate how how much that affected you. Thank you. Um, and even and this is something that I'm always worried about because, as you know, as a therapist, I work with first responders and people who are exposed to trauma all the time. And I think people don't think of it. We're, we're all just going along. We're watching the news come to us through the television. We're listening to it on the radio. We're not really thinking about the average person isn't really thinking about the fact that it's human beings. the the news is being brought to us by human beings you know our sadness was for the people that were going through yes this horrible event this unbelievable event yeah and we but but it was but then it grew harder during the day and it grew harder than what other stories that i've covered have been because this time it was live streamed and so this time we were seeing uh, you know, on online, we we got word of the the man that the suspect. But this was early stages. I mean, this is just like an hour after it's unfolded, so we had no idea if that was correct. So we we needed to find information. Yes, because okay. at this stage we didn't even know if anyone was dead. We didn't know how many. We we had no idea. If you can just imagine when it's just happened. We need to tell people, everyone's wondering what's happened. So are we. Yes. So we hear that there's a person that has allegedly, we hear reports that maybe someone's put this up online. Yes. A quick search of his name because we, we were told he's a, a legend name. Yeah. And there were the videos. And the I, I let it um, go for a few seconds in mm-hmm. just to get grasp the, the scale of what yes. this could be, Doing but I job. had to quickly turn it off because yep. pretty soon, within, um, pretty shortly after seeing that start rolling, I had to turn away because of what I was seeing. Yes. And that's where we, we want to warn people that it's quite graphic, some of the things that we'll talk about today, but we saw people um, cowering in corners um, you know, a gunman over the top of them and blood squirting everywhere and shots being fired. And we saw this from the perspective of a sicko. Yes. Now, the worst thing is, is that as journalists, we've seen 
images like this before. You know, I used to, in TV, in the TV world, I'd be on the foreign desk and I'd be looking at uncensored feeds. So I'd see bodies on beaches, asylum seekers, mm. um, children dead after bombings in Lebanon or in yeah. the Middle East. But this was confronting because this was from the perspective of a madman. And, I, and this also then, sorry, go on. and this, this was also then published for everyone to see. Mm. And I think what's really tricky about, what, what's hardest for me about this is that whereas what, you know, the, the, the things you've just spoken about that you've seen before, you're literally seeing those things after the fact. You don't actually see those people passing away in that way. In this incident, the horror of the killing is actually what's being shown live or on That's a live right. feed. Not we That's why it's different. That's happening. why it feels so evil. Yes. And, and, and as journalists, we are prepared for those kind of images somewhat. They take yes. a toll, which is what we're going to talk about today. Of course. But we're going to talk, we're going to talk about the fact that this is, we all saw this. Yes. Um, it, was, it was aired on the news and obviously they stopped before the, the most horrendous parts. Mm, yep. But we certainly got the picture. Mm. And those images are scarred within us. And you'd have to be pretty cold-hearted to, for that not to impact you. Mm. And it is impacting. It's impacting on people all over the all over the world, but certainly in our part of the world, which is New Zealand and um, and Australia. I personally have chosen not to watch it because I know that that would be very hard. I've had a very hard twenty. You know, I think it's been twenty four hours since that happened. So, um, you know, I've had a hard twenty four hours personally, just sort of grasping the concept that this has even happened. You know, as a therapist. I've supported people who actually were, for example, affected by the Lindt Cafe siege, mm. and which you I was at as well. At the Lindt Cafe siege, which I think is really significant that you've covered directly. Like, what were you doing at that yeah. siege? So I, I was working at Channel Seven during the siege. I was on my way to work, and yes. um, I was usually when I was doing the later shifts because I often did the overnight shifts where I was doing a lot of the foreign news. Um, but uh, And I'd always go into the Lindt Cafe to get a hot chocolate before my shift. Mm. But um, this morning I was on a slightly later starting shift. Okay. Thank God. Thank goodness, yes. But so that – and so I was reporting from the evacuation zone from just outside the cordoned off area. So um, you were on the ground Opposite there. Channel 7 uh, doors. So okay. I was as close as you could get. Wow. Aside from the journalist who was inside the building and the cameraman inside the building. So, I mean, that that really shook me. And I think that that was because it was in my early days too. Yes. Because my heart was still so open and yes. I was so unguarded. And then as the years went by, then I began covering more stories and going to fatalities or going to murders. And my um, I grew numb. And so most of us journalists, if, you, if you're wondering, we, as time goes by, I, I, I assume to guard ourselves maybe, and you're mm. the therapist, so you probably got a better idea than yeah, me, I can... but I grew really numb and I think most journalists do to cope. And that, that's something I'm really interested in because for you, that's your everyday work, but for, for me and others who aren't in the media industry, that's something I'm really curious about because what actually happens in the day-to-day -day run, when, when an event like this is occurring, 
what is actually happening in the newsroom? How is the information coming through? And how do you see your, your colleagues and yourself cope with that? Oh, yeah. Well, radio is different because um, as opposed to television, I'm often on scene as things are mm-hmm. happening or I'm rushing out to the scene. So I'm, I feel really um, close to the action and it's very confronting. But because you're under pressure to deliver the information mm. accurately and as much information as possible, you, you become desensitised. Yes. I felt really sad about things, but... And I did, and I wasn't aware that I was becoming desensitised either. No, it's very As time slow. went on. It's yeah. very cumulative over time. Yeah, people have no idea, but it creeps up and creeps up and builds and builds and builds. It accumulates literally. And in the newsroom yesterday, it was we had a lot of support for each other, which was really nice right. and encouraging each other. Uh, so it was somewhat easier in that respect because you weren't on scene. But however, you was you were but on in scene. this in this in this, and for most pe- and for not just journalists, but for a lot of us, we saw those images mm. and we felt like this was much closer than mm. other incidents. Well, there was the immediacy of it. It was absolutely there on film, right in front of you, and like we've already said, it was the actual footage of what was actually happening. So it was very, and the, very scary, and the scale of the event, yes, and the fact that it's so close to home in a place that's so safe. It's meant yeah. to be safe. Yeah. It's got the most beautiful Prime Minister and it's meant to be safe and it's, it's wasn't, yeah, it wasn't Prime yesterday. Minister. It wasn't mm. yesterday. So I so the other thing that I'm really curious about is, and when I hear you talk about that, can I reassure you and all your beautiful journalistic friends that, um, I'm not sure if journalistic is even a word, if it isn't, um, sorry, journalistic people, um, but I, can I reassure you all that what's happening in that moment is your brain is really, really looking after you and saying, this is a bit too much. I'm going to shut down a little bit. I'm going to, we're going to use the numb, numbing effect, right? We're moving out of our rational thinking part of our brain. We're moving down into fight, flight, freeze or submit. But we're just starting there, you know. Um, and it just starts to numb off. It just starts to protect you. A little bit, you know. So just trust that numbing sensation is actually your brain working for you to protect you. But do you want to become too numb? No, you don't. And that's why, you know, it's really important to be doing some of that, some of the work I do with people. Um, but in the moment, in, when you're facing up to it, it's what we do. When I used to work in emergency departments and I was dealing with death after death after death, yeah, you know, I, mean, you I saw was the some same. horrendous things. Yes, I saw some horrendous things. Like people decapitated? Yes, all that stuff. So I saw some mm. really horrendous things. Um, think of the most severe forms of, you know, tra- mm. trauma and, tra- and tragic, tragic death. That's what I dealt with. Um, now, what happens is we all get into let's get the job done. So for you, the job is absolutely reporting in the most accurate way, getting the information to the people so people can understand what's going on. Because And that's really important. And people say, oh, you know, the news sensationalised. And I don't like that because what the news is doing, in my view, is it's it's trying to create certainty. You don't realise maybe you're doing this, but you're creating, cert- you're giving back as much certainty as you can in a very uncertain situation. Mm. Human beings crave certainty, so when you're delivering the information, you're you're doing a really, you're being really of service to the people of the world um, because you're giving them at least the information. So even though it's horrific and horrendous, at least they know what's going on. And that gives certainty. And from a place of certainty, then we can start to move forward and, and get some a greater sense of safety back. 
And that and that certainty is really important because as adults, we need to know what's going on so we can look after ourselves and look after our children. Yeah. So, what kind of conversation should people be having with their kids? Well, it's really it's the most our most immediate response with children is the need to protect them. And what happens is sometimes that need to protect actually it, it doesn't. It's not what the kids need. What they need is they need first the inf- they need to understand what's happened just like we have. If we don't give them that understanding, they'll then their beautiful imaginations will create a version of what's happened in their brain. So you're better to, as, as carefully as possible, say, yes, there has been a shooting, there has been a man with a gun, he has killed lots of people, yes, he has recorded it and he's put it up on, um, on mm. online. Now, that's hard to say to kids, but so is talking about how they can be exposed to pornography online. We have to make it every day now. Children see these things online, and so it's really important we just say, you know, and this, for example, is even more reason to be careful when you're online not to be seeing this kind of footage because we can't control what's out there. So it's kind of normalising it for them in a way. Oh, sorry, take that out. It's not normalising it. Take no, that out. that's okay. It's kind of supporting them to understand what's happened. And then the most important thing is to talk to them about how they're feeling. How are they feeling about it? Where in their body are they feeling sensations? Are they feeling heavy? The word we like to use with kindness on purpose. Are they feeling heavy? If they're feeling heavy about it, where are they feeling it? In their head, their chest, their belly, their back or their throat? Yeah, so really simple questions like that to help them understand their own feelings. Yes, and explain that that's completely understandable, that people all over the world right now are feeling exactly the same way, older people and and children. And we all, what we all need to be doing is really looking after our feelings, you know. And and I think, and when when we talk about really looking after our feelings, and we say that to children, but adults should may perhaps be paying attention to that too. Adults should absolutely be prioritising one hundred percent looking after their feelings, and this is the perfect time to be doing it. And because people don't realise the impact that it's having. No, they do things like get on with it. You know, they repress, suppress. They might express a little bit to a colleague or a friend to just take the top off their distress Mm. and then they shove the rest down or try to flick it behind and get on with it. And what we know with distress, and this is a a really significant event, what we know with distress is that it will find a way to express itself either through 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 our bodies or our behaviour. So let's let's just... take the time but what about people that say well you know it happened over there this is a really rare occurrence um the people that kind of just get on with it Mm. well what we normally about know about those people is they're the type of people who probably quote unquote and i am using my fingers in the air Mm. get on with it Mm. anytime you know with anything that's going on their life but then what we would what we would see is i'm certain if we had a good close look in their lives that they were are experiencing distress in other ways so they might be getting well, they might be getting on with it, but all of a sudden they might crack up in... A, they might be living in a state of agitation or frustration and get overreactive about the fact that the cup was left on the table, for example. Or, you know, um, they might not get their newspaper delivered. I oh, know no one gets newspapers delivered, but <laughs> you know, they might not get their newspaper delivered on time and so they have a big reaction. We get newspapers in the newsroom. Oh, yeah. well, you guys do. Then I'll keep the an eye ones. out for anyone who gets so anyone, upset about that. Yes. Like this is the time, honestly, when you go into work next week, you, I would encourage you to observe your colleagues and you'll, you may notice. So people losing, losing their cool? 
losing their cool, feeling sadder, wondering what's wrong, having aches and pains in their body. Now, I do that. I get the aches and the pains. Yeah, and I get the fatigue. Like today I woke up and my body was sore. It felt like I ran a marathon. I guess I did. You did. You, I, I, my first question to you was, you know, I wanted to know, did you wake up today feeling like you'd been run over by yeah, a Yeah, well, we worked longer and we yes. were doing four bulletins an hour as opposed to two. And yeah. yeah. So, um, and so we know your brain and your body, all of your brain and yeah, your body was so really true. reactive. So your, you know, your vagus nerve got really busy. Your What's um, your vagus nerve? It starts at the back of the your base of your brain, runs down through your chest and heart area, down into your gut. So when you get that heavy feeling and that physical heavy feeling when something's distressing you in your chest that's actually your vagus nerve active and then those butterfly feelings i know it's a really big shock to everyone but there aren't actually butterflies in our tummy um <laughs> so that's our vagus nerve um really really working very hard right. when we're in a state of distress because the amygdala further in the brain as well has sent that message down through our vagus nerve and then obviously in our central nervous system so it's literally our body is having a reaction to what's going on and that's why you feel physically exhausted are we frightened how could, we not be? How could we not be frightened? Even if the number one thing when people witness or hear about traumatic events, it is human nature to think instantly, that could have been me. Yeah, and my survival is threatened. Like biolo- survival. Like, it's in our DNA. Biologically, we feel like we have to work out what's going on and we have to keep safe to That's survive right. as a human species. That's right. It's very animalistic yeah, it is Aside right. from our heart, and we, you and I, we we feel a lot from our heart. But yes, we do. Without the spiritual stuff, physically, there must be there is obviously a big impact. Yeah, the brain and body is working very hard. You know, cortisol is being released, adrenaline, all of that stuff, noradrenaline. We're in our, you know, that overactive sympathetic nerve system. So it's just very, very busy. Mm. But yet, beyond that, we actually do. feel feel it very deeply don't we the other thing that happens too is that we need to be really mindful that it's moments like this that all of a sudden it's made very clear that life can be shut cut short at any time for anyone yeah and so therefore all of a sudden we're reminded that every day is precious and our own mortality can it, it, it's it's made very clear to us you know yeah. at any time we could all pass away innocent people were simply praying for god's sake you know yes and other, the, and and the power of one person or or lack of control for most people well this is the most astounding thing that we all we all run around thinking that we have control the truth it is of it is from my experience and from your experience covering tragedy and trauma is that we none of us really know when our last day will be no okay so we run around thinking we're living our lives thinking we have a false sense of control but really we don't there is great uncertainty in the very essence of having life Mm. now most of us are not aware of that. We don't live that way. However, days like yesterday, when we have an event like the terror incident in New Zealand, it's made very clear to us that any of us at any time can go. So part of what happens over the next few days is we're all living with that heavy feeling of, consciously or not, we're aware we can go any moment. Yes. And so the other we, we're walking around... And we become aware that there is this thing at the end of our life that is what we call death. Yeah. And so, you know, like most of us... Um, don't think I, about it. Don't think about it. I don't think about it. You know, I had this experience when I was working with trauma. Um, and from a really young age, you know, in my early 20s, I all of a sudden became aware that 
um, you know, life could end at any time. Where, you know, most people aren't aware of it at that age. Yeah, and I, I, I became aware of it when I was little as well, when I was 14, and I, um, I had some really big health scares and I lost a quarter of my lung and um, they did the operation and then it didn't work and then I nearly died again. But that, those kind of thoughts, they're, they're big. The, the fact mm. that you can't, you, you just don't know when your last day is going to be, when your last breath is going to be. Mm. And... Uh, I think that they're important questions that many people are going to be thinking about for the next few weeks. What is all this about? They will be, but most importantly, people will be very keen to get back to their status quo, very keen to get back to their version of normal. So that's why we need to get the balance really, really careful. We need to really, really be careful to get that balance back um, because people are affected and we're going to be having people out there who are full of rage, a sense of rage and injustice that this hasn't happened, people who are feeling sad, people who are walking around just with that loss of safety. You know, that's yeah. actually what else has happened. And so that's, and that, that causes fear. And so then people, when people are frightened, which you were saying earlier, when they're frightened, they either get angry, they fight. Yep. Or they flight. Flight. They fear. Yep. They, they hide. Or they freeze. Freeze. They freeze. They submit and just think, what can I do about it? I can't do anything about it. They feel so helpless and hopeless and therefore they fall into a greater state of anxiety and depression. And then the other thing you were saying earlier too, um, prior to this, you were saying that people are trying to get a sense of control. Yes, yep. So they do try to get a sense of control and they, they do all kinds of things like all of a sudden you might just you might find that all of a sudden you need to clean that cupboard out or you need to get you know anything for control you might decide that you need to um, you, so you can be cleaning you can all of a sudden be needing to get those work tasks absolutely done like right now I'm sitting here talking to you and my way of getting a greater sense of control is I'm planning X, Y, and Z, A, B, and C over the next week. I've got my whole week scheduled and I know that that is me reaching for certainty. You know, reaching in, for certainty reaching and safety, certainty. isn't yep. it? Yeah. It's my life. I've got control over Or this is the bit I've got control over. Yes. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm saying to my kids, we're going to do this. And the other thing that people are really going to be asking is why? Why did something like this happen? And I think the answer to that is we don't know. Okay. Which creates more uncertainty doesn't it creates more uncertainty so we have to we we all need to come to some kind of conclusion don't we i think we do need to come to a conclusion i think from this we all either have the you know what will happen is there's post-traumatic stress this is happening on an individual group family community country global level the other option we have is a thing called post-traumatic growth and that's what we're going to be seeing is that actually a thing it absolutely is it's an absolute process that happens and 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 people some people naturally gravitate towards that so what i'm going to be what we will start to notice is a lot of people talking about healing a lot of people talking about love and peace yes and they are and the other thing too is there's that there's some of us who feel confused about why we feel so sad about it obviously it's it's horrendous but because it hasn't impacted us directly and that's confusing because you know we don't know the man who did this nor the people affected. We don't know them from a bar of soap. We don't know who they are. They're not really directly connected to us, really, are they? No, I mean, I that's don't why know it's them. confusing. Yeah. It is confusing. But there's a reason why we feel this way. The reason why my body and my brain is affected, the reason why I'm emotionally affected is that the truth is we're all connected. You know, it's my spiritual belief 
that comes in here, and this is help, helps me make sense of what's going on. We are all connected. The pain of the people who are suffering is the pain that we also will feel because energetically we are all one. Yes. You know? And just like we can experience joy when someone stands on the podium winning the Olympics and we're all standing on, we can feel the joy in our heart too. Uh. Conversely, we feel the sadness and the despair and the trauma and the helplessness when something so horrible happens to other people, we all feel it. That's why we're all feeling it. It's all of the things we've already spoken about, but spiritually and energetically, we are all connected. So that's why we're feeling it so deeply. And then perhaps that's where we can finish this too, and maybe Mm. there lies the answer, that although we can feel their pain of those people that are going through tremendous grief Mm. and confusion, particularly in New Zealand... Yes. If we can feel their pain because we are all connected, then us showing up in our lives with more light and love, perhaps they will feel it too because we are all connected. Well, we actually know they will feel it too. We know that we can show up with a greater sense of love. We can feel compassion towards them. We can engage in acts of kindness to ourselves and others. The moment we sit and talk to someone who's affected by this or by any other form of distress, we are giving giving a warmth and nurturing and loving connection. And as we show up to our lives too and we live for those people that didn't have any more life left. That's right. We owe it to them. We owe it to them to have very, very full lives. 